everybody, welcome to the Catholic Influencer Podcast, a conversation to help Catholic influencers like you and me go deeper and further in influencing our world for Jesus. I'm your host, Father Rob Gallia. And I'm your co-host, Danny Sullivan. And we look forward today to talking to you about Catholic priesthood. Nice administration day today, Danny. We're all in the office. Well, yeah, me and Janine are in one of one half of the office, and I think you're trying to block us out by going <laughs> into a separate little room. Yeah, I'm trying to do some of my, my administration work. I get distracted so easily. I'm like... Uh, yeah, yeah, and me and Janine can be distracting because we go off topic a lot. Yes, I'm overhearing some of the conversation in the other room thinking, when are they going to work? We work, we're really, okay. we're very productive, and then we just start talking about food and what's on TV and things like that. So what's on TV and what food are you talking about? Well, Married at First Sight is quite <laughs> no. big in Australia at the moment. I haven't watched this season, but I mean, keeping up to date on, on Facebook. Um, so that's pretty, pretty prevalent actually yeah. this morning. <laughs> and please note that we don't endorse the sacramentality or anything of oh my gosh. maths. Is it's, that what they call it? Maths. maths. It's yeah. just kind of like one of those brain dead TV shows where you watch it and you're like, well, that's that time of, of my life gone that I'll never get back. <laughs> well, that's a yeah, a good intro into one of the sacraments, say the sacrament of marriage, but we're going to talk about another sacrament today. <laughs> which a is a good intro to yeah, a completely different topic. <laughs> which is the sacrament of, of the priesthood, um, the, the Catholic, Catholic priesthood. You know, um, one of the things that even myself as a priest is that I can, it's constantly unfolding, trying to understand what the priesthood is, what my role is as a priest. Now, it's easy for me to say that I proclaim um, Jesus through word and through through sacrifice. But what does that actually mean? Because you see, priesthood is so deep. It's so great. It is actually living in the person of Christ. And be, to be able to do that, it's just a never-ending depth, a never-ending figuring out of what it means. But priesthood has predated, sort of pre-existed, even Christianity. You know, there was the priesthood. It's not it's not a Catholic. Let's use the word we used last time, last week. Phenomenon. Stop. <laughs> Phenomenon. Phenomenon. <laughs> but it is it is something that pre-existed. Even it, there are priests in all types of religions. There are priests and priestesses in Judaism and also um, in, in even the pagan world. In fact, maybe let's look at what the the internet says. Um, Miriam Webster. Yeah, so even according to Google, thanks Webster, um, a priest is one authorized to perform the sacred rites of a religion, especially as a mediatory agent between humans and God. So it doesn't actually say anything there about particularly like being a Catholic priest. No. It's just like priest is a very general thing. Yeah. But uh, it, coming to the understanding of priesthood, I think there's a key word there. Is that a mediatory? So mediatory or however you pronounce it. It's different but, if it's Australian <laughs> or Maltese, apparently. Yes, or American even. <laughs> and so it, being a mediator, to be a, a mediator means to be a bridge builder, someone who builds a bridge between God and humanity. Okay. So God is in a sense unreachable. He's transcendent. It's totally other. And so we need somehow some kind of bridge between us as a human being and God as the divine, as the as perfection, us as imperfection trying to reach God who is perfect. And so I think the mediation, the bridge building is done in three ways in all religions, not only Catholicism, okay? The, the priest's role as a mediator, bridge builder, as someone who offers instruction to the people, you know, 
like even in the Old Testament in Judaism, the people were offered instruction. They were taught the word of God. They were pro- proclaimed the word of God. That's the first thing. Second thing is sanctifying the people, showing the people how to be holy, how to be like God. So describing who God is and allowing us to reflect that holiness and wholeness. And then the third thing that a priest always did was offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. So whether it was a blood sacrifice in the Old Testament or a blood sacrifice, even human sacrifices, some some pagan gods would, would offer. So it is offering sort of this sacrifice on behalf of the people. Even again, this is what happened in Judaism, except we didn't have human sacrifices. We had lambs and sheep and pigeons and or doves, all of these sacrifices on behalf of the people. But it's also different in Christianity, okay? Because there's there's only one priest in Christianity. So there aren't several priests in Christianity. There's one, there's one perfect priest. And who's that perfect priest? Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Did you have to sing that like the Muppets <laughs> to be able to say that? No, I can actually, I can pronounce that okay. name. Jesus uh, offered instruction. He offered um, sanctification, an example of holiness, and he also offered sacrifice. Yeah, so like, you know, and his instruction that he offered was perfect. Nothing mm. that Jesus said is wrong. Everything he said is perfect, it's correct, and it's the, you know, the best instruction that we can receive to be like him in his perfect holiness. You know, we're striving for holiness, but he is holiness. He is perfection, and he's what we need to aim for. And then the sacrifice as well, he offered himself on the cross. So if all of that is perfect, and there is only one priest in Christianity, like you said, then why why do we need priests? Like Jesus is that mediator. It says that in scripture that he is the bridge between us and God. So why is it important that we have priests? Like- well, yes, you're, you're right. You see, Jesus is the perfect bridge. He's the perfect bridge builder um, through the sanctification, through through instruction and through his death on the cross. But also he did, like you're saying, he rose from the dead. So why, if Jesus is still alive, so why do we have um Catholic priests, why do we have people walking around in black shirts and collars? And well, the reason there are priests today is to be at this continuous bridge builder on behalf of Jesus in the person of Jesus. Now, this you have to bear with me because this can be a little bit complicated. Okay, so Jesus died on the cross. That was his perfect sacrifice. But what we need to do is to bring that bridge to the people to every generation. And the way that Jesus planned to do this was by offering the Eucharist, by by continuing to sanctify us, he instituted the sacrament of the Eucharist, which we call the sacrifice of the, the, the Mass. Now, what happens is that God appointed priests, appointed people to bring that sacrifice to the people, to make present the same sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Now, one of the biggest heresies uh, that has existed is is to uh, think that Jesus, every time we celebrate the mass, Jesus is dying on the cross when that doesn't, that's not the real, that's, that's wrong. Okay. So every time we celebrate mass, what, what happens is like we are brought to the same sacrifice 
of the cross. So it's like, um, the, the, I like to explain it like a TARDIS, you know, Doctor Who. Do you ever watch Doctor Who? I've never watched Doctor Who, but I understand that it's a big blue box. Yes. So it like goes into telephone? the telephone. Yes. Okay. And then what happens is he's brought to a space and a time even that he's not present in. So he actually becomes present in a, a particular space and time. So everyone who participates in the Eucharist is brought to the same sacrifice, is brought to the cross. So what happens at that moment is the, the priest is making present to a sacrament. That's what the, the, the word sacrament means. It's a sign. He's making present that same sacrifice on the cross. So the priest is, on, in a sense, he's the, the priest at that moment of sacrifice becomes Christ himself. So he becomes the person of Christ. And what does that mean? He becomes the person of Christ in two ways. One, he becomes the sacrifice itself, which is crazy, okay? And the second thing is the one, he becomes the one who sacrifices, not because he is good or because he is extraordinary, because at that moment he represents Christ who sacrificed himself, who offers a sacrifice. So Jesus gives himself to the Father. And so it is the sacrifice and the one offering the, the sacrifice being represented. So in fact, let me, I know I, I may have lost some of you here. Like 10%. <laughs> but well, the, you, you know, during Mass, Jesus is present in how many ways? Do you know this? Like Jesus is present in the Eucharist. He's mm -hmm. present in the Word. Mm -hmm. He's present in the people. But he's also present in the priest. And not because the priest is extraordinary, but because that priest at that moment represents Christ, the person of Christ, the one offering the sacrifice, but also the sacrifice. And this is what uh, precisely what the ordained sacramental priesthood does. He represents Christ. He makes Christ, the invisible Christ, visible particularly through the offering of the, the sacraments. And the, you know what, this is what, where maybe a priest, a Catholic priest, is different to any other priesthood, or even Judaism, is because in Judaism it depended so much on how good they were, and they acted on their own name, and they had to offer sacrifices, and they had to be set apart, and they had to be perfect, while the priest doesn't act in his own name. He acts in the name of Christ. One of the things I like to do during Mass is sometimes is to give a, a Mass of instruction, you know, where you explain the Mass. And one of the things I do is I vest, I dress at the altar because you see this, I try to explain that the, the, the alb that I'm wearing, that white garment, is, is a garment that hides the priest completely, like a baptismal garment, where they're no longer seen, but it is the whiteness, the purity of Christ that covers them. It's not their goodness. It's not their strength. It's not even the priest's holiness, but it's totally, totally dependent on the sacrifice and the presence of Christ in that sacramental priesthood. Ay, ay, ay. I've lost you. No, no, I'm, I'm keeping up. That was like, it's a lot, but I think that clear, you know, like distinction between the sacramental priesthood, like needing to represent Christ, like every single day around the world, he's represented as that bridge so that by that cross of Jesus, we as, you know, just regular humans who are striving for holiness can get to God. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's true. And so the ordained, the ministerial priesthood is there to serve the, the ordinary priesthood of the people. So when I was a kid, I was baptized, I was baptized, and I was a priest, prophet, and king. 
as a baptized child. I still had the priesthood. Now, the priesthood was not a, a ministerial priesthood, but I still had those three roles that all priests have, and that is to give instruction, to receive instruction, okay, to be a witness, as Jesus tells all the baptized to do that. It was my responsibility also to be an, a, a, a sanctified, to be holy, to be set apart, and to be an example of holiness. So there's the sanctification of the people as well, but also to offer a sacrifice. But the sacrifice, the difference there is that the sacrifice I offer is myself as the, the common priesthood. I'm offering a sacrifice of myself. I'm not offering the sacrifice of Christ, the perfect sacrifice. So I'm just like that, that, that sacrifice on the altar being offered to Christ that tends to crawl off the altar. And then I need to crawl back onto the altar, which St. Paul says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. And this is the sacrifice that the common priesthood is to offer. And that is to say that even as a ministerial priesthood, I still need to offer myself as a living sacrifice. I still struggle like everyone else. And that's why I'm so grateful. Even when I celebrate Mass, I know even though I try to be holy, even though I seek to, to be a good example and I seek to be set apart, but I thank God that it is not dependent, this sacrifice is not dependent on my offering of a sacrifice of, of a, as a human being. Even if I am imperfect, God is still glorified through the ministerial priesthood. So looking, having explained all of this, and I know it's complicated, but I think one of the things we need to understand is that we are all called to be priests. We're all called to give instruction. We're all called to be holy. We're all called to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. But also there's this beautiful, perfect sacrifice that is offered at every mass, that is um, received at every sacrament of reconciliation. You know that the priest doesn't act on their behalf. They represent Christ. And it is nothing to do with them with the priest's qualifications, but it's everything to do that they are sent in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. But one of the things that we um, do as priests is that we live pretty ordinary lives. I don't walk around every moment with a light around me saying, hey, lo look how holy I am and look how perfect I am and people um, admiring and seeing how perfect the priests are when it is far, far from that. It's a very ordinary life lived quite extraordinarily. And in fact, we, we have an interview with um, my parish priest. <laughs> Your boss. My boss, who is five <laughs> years younger than I am. Well, so what's he like, 43? No, he's, he's like <laughs> 20. <laughs> And Father Junray, who you interviewed, Danny, and um, get to talk to him about his life. And what else did you talk to him about? Yeah, it was really interesting. So I've known Father Junray for many years, like before he was ordained a priest when he was still in the seminary. And he came over from Cebu to join our diocese here in Sandhurst. So we're pretty, like, we're very blessed to have him. But we spoke, like, about that journey a lot. So how it was coming from a huge archdiocese like Cebu to little rural Bendigo and Sandhurst diocese. So, yeah, really interesting interview. And we'll go into that now. I'm here today with Father Jean-Ray. Father Jean-Ray is the parish priest or parish administrator here at St. Killian's Parish in Bendigo. Thank you so much for joining us today, Father Jean-Ray. Thanks, Danny. I was just wondering if you could start maybe with a bit of your vocation story, I guess. So how did you end up being a priest? So you went from Australia, but now you're a parish priest here in Australia. What did that journey look like? I think faith is 
primarily it is given. And um, I'm really grateful that one of my greatest influences is my grandma. Um, I received my faith from my grandma. Probably I could imagine when I was two or three years old. And that's the time that I started going to mass. I think when I go back to my memory, I think I've been going to mass probably two or three years old or four years old. And um, with that bouquet, with that gift of faith from my grandma, I just started to develop that and love to the church. And I remember when I was 15 years old, I met some seminarians in our parish and um, they're so happy bunch. You know, they're always they're very good to the people, the young and old people. And I said, I wanted to be like them. Vocation is we are attracted the same way from Jesus. You know, we are called to Jesus because he's so attractive to us. Cool. So you met these seminarians and then from there, did you just join the seminary straight away? Like, was it a pretty instant thing or did it a journey that took a while? Uh, it took a while because uh, I was a young catechist in our parish and it was during a summer, summer time that I hang on with this, um, with these guys in the parish. And, uh, and so that sort of friendship among these young guys who are so dedicated to the parish life, to the community life, just, and that, Friendship guides me through to the vacation. After that, um, I told my mom and dad about going to the seminary. And I can remember, I think I was 15 years old. And in, this, in the Philippines, it's really difficult to enter the seminary because unlike here in Australia, um, we're so blessed that the, the diocese or the bishop would pay for the seminary Jews. But in the Philippines, it is your family. And around the time, uh, we had a financial uh, problem as well with their family, and um, I remember my mom telling me that oh, you could just just be a teacher. You'll be happy. You'll be fine. And I said, No, no, because I couldn't imagine myself as, as a teacher. I just, I think my heart was just so fiery around that time. All I could think of, I just want to become a priest. Cool. So your your family like was struggling financially. You just said. So how did you raise these funds then to enter the seminary so that you could become a priest? Mm. Well, I was really amazed by the the decisions of my mom and dad because my mom and dad are not really churchy people, even though our home is just a minute walk to the church. You know, we could hear the homilies of the parish priests, but my mom and dad are not God. They don't get to the church quite often, but they're so self-sacrificial. They ultimately decided that to sell our home. I was blown away. I was really blown away by that decision that I feel even guilty. Why are they doing this for me? And I think that's just tremendous love. Wow, that's so beautiful that your parents believed in what you wanted to do so much. They're willing to sell the family home. And then you, so I met you a few years ago when you first came to Australia um, as a seminarian. So how is the seminary life different, I guess, from, so Cebu, the Cebuano Diocese? Is that what it's called? Cebu Diocese? Archdiocese of Cebu. Oh, Archdiocese of Cebu. Um, And then you came out to Sandhurst, which is very different. So Cebu is massive, like, I don't know, what's the population? Over millions? I'm not sure. Probably five, seven millions. Yeah. Yeah. So five, seven million to Sandhurst. And Mm -hmm. here in Sandhurst Diocese in Australia, we're less than 100,000 Catholics. We're spread across hundreds of kilometres. So what was it like to, I guess, come from a seminary in Cebu to come out to Australia to a very rural diocese? I remember it was in June of 2010 that I came here in Australia and it was the middle of winter. So I was, uh, oh, that winter just caught me. You would have froze. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> and um, 
and I'm I'm very close to my family. I am the eldest in the family, and um, I thought around that time that I could just ring my family or Skype them, and I'll be happy with my you know I'll just be happy. But the first couple of months, I struggled with the homesickness. Mm. Um, I'm really really close with mom and dad, and um, and I remember my spiritual director at that time. Uh, after one month, he died too. So I struggled for the first yeah. for the first few months, and ultimately about the, the language too, you know. Um, I couldn't. Well, it's still English, but <laughs> I don't know if Australian yeah. is the same as English. Yeah. Some days <laughs> I remember it took me forever uh, yeah. to understand and the whole slangs and our rector as well in the seminary. He spoke so fast and. Some of the guys from overseas, we just had no idea what he was talking about. You just nod along. Yeah. Like, okay, that sounds good, Father. I remember I went to Mecca's one time and I ordered a large French fries and a large Coke. And this girl from the counter gave me a large Sprite oh. and a large Coke. Uh, probably I had a different accent from my French fries, so I just received it. <laughs> and I, didn't, like- I don't know how to complain in English around the time, so I'll just say, pay and receive it. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, but but the brotherhood in Samri here is is quite amazing with with different nationalities, and um, they're very they're very caring too when I first arrived here, but um, but it's very challenging with all the academic demands in Samri, writing essays in the formal you know formal essays and all those footnoting and notes and. Yeah, so all of those academic writing uh, was was a big challenge when I when I started here. Yeah, absolutely. So you're trying to learn the Australian slang, which you're doing pretty well. I mean, you call it Maccas, so that's a Ooh, good start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then trying to write these formal essays with all the proper language that real English speakers use. That's really beautiful. And now, you know, you finished the seminary, you were ordained, and now you're the parish administrator for quite a large parish here in Bendigo. What's a like, I don't know, I guess a day in the life of a young priest look like? It is really important to have a, a daily prayer because if not, um, I might lose all my energy. And um, if if I'm not really well grounded in prayer, I'm, I think I'll be totally lost in the community, in the parish life, in such a big demanding place too. Uh, very central, but I'm really grateful to hear in here in the community of St. Killians because uh, the community is very well supporting very um, very supportive of me and um, very affirming. Just couldn't imagine why I'm being put here, but I, I just took that role and, and slowly, slowly being part of the community. Uh, personally, I'm really into arts. Also, I'm into nature. So most of my Mondays, I just climb mountains. Uh, so for this two, for just this month, I've been climbing Grampians. I've been to the Pinnacle twice this month. So, wow. so just yesterday and the other day, week. So nature has that sort of deep closeness in me. And sometimes if I feel, because I'm not really a confrontational person, uh, try to be gentle and humble. <laughs> You're like the most yeah. gentle priest yeah. I know. Learn from me for I'm gentle and humble of heart. Yeah, yeah. And, and so nature has that power to, um, to, to calm me down if I'm not really struggling in community or in a particular scenario if i cannot handle i just go for a walk okay so if i ever see you walking around bendigo I'll i have just, a problem with that yeah. <laughs> i'll assume that you need some extra prayers 
So that's really like, yeah, I know that you are into climbing and you share that a lot and you actually have big plans next year. Yes. So, well, for the last few years, I've been climbing mountains around Asia. I've been in Mount Kinabalu in Malaysia, Mount Rinjani, a volcanic mountain in Indonesia. Wow. And... Hopefully to go to the base camp of Everest next year. That'd be so cool. We'll definitely be praying for you yep. in the lead up and when you get there, especially. I guess like, you know, you've, you've made priesthood sound pretty beautiful. You know, you're surrounded by this supportive community. You get to go out into nature and do things you love. You've got this brotherhood of people from all around the world. And then the priest that Sandhurst is their home diocese as well. So, you know, it's quite joyful. What are, what are some struggles though that you find with being a priest these days? Um... I think the overwhelming crisis of the church these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been talking to a number of young priests and seminarians these days too, um, especially with the crisis of you know the sexual abuses, and that's a very draining issue to a lot of us. Especially we're just starting to the ministry of the priest, and and it could be really difficult. You know, sometimes we could be just feel just so low with that whole issue and how to move on from that try to communicate each other, have a conversation every now and then with these guys. And, but the source of, uh, the source of hope to us is indeed our friendship among us and friendship among brothers that in times of crisis like this, we are here to support each other. At the same time, with the support of, of a lot of people in the community, I remember that at time of sexual abuses, um, a few weeks ago, um, People are really supportive in prayers and we receive a lot. We receive few cards that people are praying for us in the community. And so we are really grateful uh, to to the community and to the brothers. That's really beautiful um, that you are supported by your brothers and your parish community as well. Coming from that, where do you see the future of the priesthood in the Australian church? I don't see the priesthood in Australian church these days. I see the priesthood in universal church. Mm. And um, I think especially we have a lot of millennial priests these days, uh, young priests who travel wherever. And uh, we are we belong to a universal church these days. Um, here in Australia, in the summer itself, it, has, it is composed of 12 or 13 different nationalities. And I see the church in the same way that we belong in a universal church that people could, with the richness of backgrounds and cultures and heritages of each person, could give that um, richness of priesthood as well. So so here in Australia, in the same way in the Philippines or wherever you go, I think we belong in a universal church these days, in these modern times. I think there's a lot of uh, positive in there and uh, optimism in the in this whole in this whole call of to the priesthood, um, despite all the challenges and tri- crises of the church. Because, you know, the Catholic Church it is a universal church, mm. and it's really nice that in modern times, I guess, being able to cross borders and share our cultures in the priesthood is something that is helping that universality of the church shine through. I guess so we'll finish up here, but I was just wondering, if you had any advice for young men who might be discerning the priesthood, what would you suggest for them to do? Uh, first, um, go to Mass. I think it's really important that because to be a priest is to to be a lover of the of the mass, and so 
Go to Mazar quite often as much as possible. At the same time, go and be known to your community in your parish community. And that priest, the parish priest, will guide you in, in the whole process. Uh, he could be your mentor or, or a good advice or a good friend in the whole vocation call. It's good advice. Thank you so much today for joining us, Father jean It's really great to have your perspective. Um, you're quite a young priest here. You've moved to another country and now you're running an entire parish at such a young age. So thank you for, I guess, taking up this call to be a priest. Um, I know that the church is blessed because of it and we'll definitely be praying for you and all your brother priests as well. Thanks, Danny. Thanks. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Catholic Influences Podcast. We hope that you've learned a little bit more about the sacramental priesthood and please join our team as well in praying for the vocation of young men to become priests and also for all our priests around the world. We love hearing from you, so please continue to be in touch with us at frgministry.com forward slash podcast or any of our social media, so Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at frgministry. Until next time, God bless.